Welcome to the Points of Performance podcast with me, Tom Blay. Uh, Happy New Year. This is the first podcast of the new year. It's episode 31. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Alex Lemkowski. Um, Alex, introduce yourself, please, buddy. Well, mate, um, I'm, I don't really know where to start with that, to be honest. I think probably at the minute, I would have to introduce myself as I'm an online coach, PT, <laughs> I've been a personal trainer for many, many years. Um, and I'm also the SNC coach for Berry AFC, which are the newly formed club off the back of Berry FC going absolutely broken. Um, and fortunately, I've had the pleasure of spending a lot of time with you. Um, and it's, it's actually a pleasure to be on your podcast. As someone I hold in such high regard as a coach and athlete, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you. That's really kind of you to say, mate. And I definitely didn't pay you to say that. So nice one for our seven listeners. Um, cool, mate. So how was, like you mentioned that you are now an online coach and so am I, mate, at the minute. Um, how are you finding it? Everyone is nowadays, aren't they? Everyone is, unless you're breaking the law. No one's doing that, are they? Um, well, it's not a law. If you're not following the guidance. But yeah, how are you finding it? Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's something that, I, as a one-to-one coach, I hated on it for, for many, many years. And I think mainly the reason that I was very much against it was because there were so many online coaches coming out saying that one-to-one PT or in-person PT was dead. And it's simply not the truth. Um, <clears throat> fortunately, with my I saw back, those adverts as well. <laughs> mate, it does my head in. It does my, does my nut in because it's... What, what that is then is it's a group of PTs who have gone, right, well, I'm good at an online, I'm good as an online coach and I want to set something up to coach PTs how to be an online coach so I can further myself and make shitloads of money off PTs, which, again, that's another problem and I think a big problem with the fitness industry that people are actually shafting the people coming through the system and coming into the industry itself. Yeah. But we can go into that in detail in a bit. Um in terms of my journey through, it was kind of a forced change and one that I decided that I was going to do anyway um, later on, at, well, later on last year, um, where the company I was working with, Profit Personal Training, was bought out by the gym they were partnered with. Um, and those people, as a corporate entity and a corporate gym, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to give them the advertisement, Um if you want to speak to me about them, feel free to message, but they are a, an absolute set of assholes where it is literally a case of profiteering and making money. And the entire way that their gym works is purely based on having sleeping memberships where people are paying the 45 quid a month using the gym, maybe once or twice a year, not actually accounting for their health or fitness. Cause that, I mean, I have no doubt with the size of the gyms and the size of the membership base, if everyone turned up to that gym, the gym would not function. It would just collapse. Like no one would want to go. No one would want to be there. Um, so I kind of stuck around for a little bit to try and help some of the other trainers and help them get the best deal that they possibly could. Um, but I decided that after the first lockdown, because I live so far, I lived like an hour away from the gym. So I was doing two hours of traveling every day just to get to work. And then paying about a thousand pound a month for the privilege of being there, which Jesus Christ! In itself, again, this is where I talk about 
big companies and the corporates are just completely shafting. That's definitely something we should talk about because when I came into the industry, like, you know, five or six years ago, I heard that a lot. Like, oh, well, when I was at, when I was at uh, Total Fitness, I had to pay 750 quid a month rent. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, how on earth are you supposed to get into this business when you're being skinned alive straight away? You might have just mentioned that, Jim, as well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Total shitness, I've heard them called, though, mate. I think it's a different gym. I've heard so many, I see so many bad, and from my point of view, I'd wanted to get out of there for a long time. I've made myself a deal on day one when I walked in, where I actually said to myself, I said, if I'm here in 10 years' time, then I've failed as a trainer, I've failed as a coach. Like, yeah. It's not where I want to be, it's not where I want to spend my future. And there were times where, you know, I'd look around the gym and you'd see some of the things that are going off. You see some of the things that the staff are doing and you hear some of the things that they're saying to members and, you know, how they're trying to sell their memberships. And it just, it's not right. It's not valid. It's not true. It's just falsehoods and lies just to get anything that they can out of it. I mean, there were points where I was walking around the gym. There were more buckets on the gym floor to catch rainwater because the roof was leaking than there were people. And I'm, I'm charging people, you know, a premium for their training sessions because I value myself and my time as a coach. So people are paying a lot of money to come and see me to train in that environment where there's bloody buckets everywhere. Um, so that didn't sit right. And to it's me. just like, a, that's just like a perfect symbol of how little money they're willing to put into something to keep it going. Yep. Like absolutely nothing coming back in all the money that they take from the trainers um, all the money that they take for memberships and absolutely zero of it is going back into building a quality facility that's, you know, a nice place to train in. Yeah, that's, and that's a massive problem because with gyms that size, you know, they probably need a few million quids worth of investment per gym every five years to keep it current, renovate it, make sure the equipment's in check and it doesn't, it, well, it doesn't happen because it's all about profit margins. And that's what happens when you've got investors that are squeezing you for every drop you can get. It's not about that gym. So <clears throat> I was looking into setting up my own facility and moving away from there. I have been for quite a long time. Um, and I made myself a deal at the end of the first lockdown. I went back and I said, you know, if, if there's another one, that's it. I'm not coming back. I'll be done. I spoke to all my clients mm. about it, told them that that was the situation. They were happy with it. They were cool with it. They knew what was going on. Um, and then <laughs> it was, it was literally, I think it was on my birthday actually in October where, no, it wasn't. It was a few weeks after. No, it was. Yeah, it was. It was on my birthday because they, they sent, out, sent out an email saying you need to sign this new license agreement, which wasn't agreeable. I'd had it looked at by solicitors and it had been dragging on for a long time before they sent this email to me where they said, basically you've got 10 days to sign and agree to this or you can't come back in at the start of November. So I just sent an email back and went, is this the situation? Is that correct? And they went, yep, yeah, if you don't sign it, you can't come back. And I went, right, I'm not signing it. I won't be back. Cheers. And that was it. Similar. And that was it, yeah. So got myself wow. out of there. And to be honest, I feel absolutely amazing for doing that mm. um yeah. like a yeah i bet you're like 10 ton lighter massively massively and i think for me that's where probably the fitness industry needs to change 
and there will be a shift. And you probably, if you were to look back through history, you can see that whenever the landscape of any industry or business changes, there's normally something that causes it. There's normally a, a bigger event that kind of forces you to, to adapt, forces you to change. And I think <clears throat> with COVID and continuously locking down, you know, those kind of gyms, those corporate gyms are probably going to struggle quite a lot because they've got no method in which they can utilize to actually look after any of their clients. Yeah. So when you, by, by looking after, we mean like there's, there's no community. People just come in and train on their own. They've not had any kit lent to them. There's no training options or help communication that's been given to any of them. It's just like, you know, you scan yourself in, train, leave. Whereas like with CrossFit gyms and powerlifting gyms and all that sort of stuff, there's a community. There's a, yep. you know, we've, we've given away all of our equipment at CrossFit 3D to all our members. We provide online classes every day, uh, nutrition advice, lifestyle advice, constant chat and all, and, and help for, for all that sort of stuff, really. And yeah, you can see why, you know, people won't think twice about canceling the total fitness or pure gym subscription. Whereas with us, we've like, we've, everybody stayed. Everybody yeah. stayed. And, it, and that's obviously and that's we've got amazing people at our gym, but. It's also down to the fact that it's like a, a symbiotic relationship where we give each other, you know, something worthwhile. Yeah, that's it. That And that community is a massive aspect of it. And for me, I think one of the tricks that has been missed for, for corporate gyms and the gyms that have, you know, possibly got bigger budgets or more staff, more people around them is, or even, you know, bigger teams of trainers, like, I mean, at CrossFit, you've, how many coaches have we got? Four or five, maybe? Something like yeah. that? Maybe six? Yeah. A push um whereas a lot of these corporate gyms they've got an army of trainers at their disposal and i spoke to a lot of my clients during the first lockdown i was like have you had any communication from the gym there was nothing there could have been a really really good opportunity there for them to send out a message send out an email set up a platform set up a group where they utilize their trainers put them in contact with members like we want to look after your yeah. health and fitness during this time but instead, they took the opposite route and said, we're trying to balance the books. We're trying to make sure yeah. that, the, you know, it wasn't about people's health and fitness. And it never, I don't think it ever has been. and I don't think it ever will be, which is where I think there does need to be that shift. And there will be that shift of people working with trainers, working with coaches, going to gyms that are more community based, like CrossFit or, you know, boutique personal training gyms and things like that. I think they'll come to the forefront far, far more than, than, than anything else. And I think the corporate gyms, especially that middle market will start to struggle. Those gyms where you're paying 45 quid a month, 50 quid a month for your membership, unless it's really high end and you get a lot of value from it. I don't think it'll last. Um, and I think places, places like pure gym and, you know, the, the cheaper budget gyms, the 24 hour gyms, they'll always be there because they fulfill a very specific purpose. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever trained in a pure gym at midnight or three in the morning, but I have, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a weird breed that goes in there at that point in time. I know, mate. I used to train at the, uh, I don't know what it's called now, but I used to train at the, you know, the AJ, AJ Bell Stadium hmm. before I started CrossFit. Um, I just had a month or so there. And it was like a tenner a month, rubbish equipment. Like There was one squat rack. It was, it was a joke. It was shit. 
it was crap. And uh, you get what you pay for, don't you? That fulfills a good purpose for a lot of people, though, doesn't it? So, and it's very, very affordable. So, very affordable, yeah. If you use it, I mean, I think a lot of those places run off the fact that they have thousands of members who pay a small amount of money but never attend the gym anyway. Yep. And then I think with this lockdown, people will probably reassess the bank detail, the, the, you know, what's going in and out of the bank because they've either been furloughed and lost 20% of the wages or they're like us, the self-employed and the really bloody struggling. Um, and they're like, what can I do without paying for? Yeah. And the, the non-used gym membership is probably number one on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Mad industry at the minute, mad industry. But And like you said, the, this will direct the industry in a, in a new way and you know i am don't get me wrong i'm i'm doing a lot of online co- I'm online coaching and programming and i'm quite busy with it as well um but instead of it's the we're like the opposite of these big gyms the opposite of these chain gyms because we work really well with a small group of people who we do a great job with instead of just spreading ourselves really thinly with thousands of people yeah yeah and I think from going into online coaching myself, that's the one difference that I think is definitely going to become more and more apparent. Like if you go back through time, you look at what personal trainers have been asked to do, you know, or what was expect what's expected from a personal trainer. Previously, it was just, right, I need to get smashed on the weights. It's going to be about bodybuilding, building muscle. If you can't do that, you're not going to be a trainer. And then you go through that process that probably lasted a few years. And it's like, well, what can you tell me about nutrition? So PTs are expected to know about training and nutrition. And now it's built, it's grown massively from that point now where it's, you know, it's training, nutrition, what about sleep, stress, mindset, goal setting. And you go into all these other specific little niche areas. And because the skill set is so varied, I think whilst as a coach, you feel like you have got the ability to help everybody. You know, if you're trying to help everyone, you're not speaking to anyone. You just you just kind of making noise, but yeah. If if you want to yeah. sell yourself or you know work with someone specifically, you have to speak directly to that person. Which is you know then you know obviously being self employed, you then have to be able to master sales tactics and do your own marketing, and it it's yeah it's hard. It's very hard. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a, yeah, and like you said about like working with an individual everybody's different and if you give 10 people the same advice obviously unless it's really generic you're not going to hit the mark with everyone because people have got different lives and lifestyles and situations and you know backgrounds and histories and all that sort of stuff so yeah yeah I think we do a much better job with a with a smaller group of people and I'd love really like and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I'd love for all these big chains to, you know, drop off a little bit. And for people who really want to be in the fitness and health industry, people who really do it because they want to help people will find a different way, whether that's small boutique gyms, like you mentioned earlier, PT studios, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be CrossFitters at all. You don't have to be a, a CrossFit coach to be a great personal trainer, you know, like just people who can find a better way to do it. Uh, definitely a way where they don't have to spend a thousand pound on nothing every month as well for rent that's just ridiculous like it's like you know like you like you said it's it's unburdening it's a relief to get out from that situation yeah well it's like because you're thinking about paying the bills 
you're thinking about, right, I've got to pay Total Fitness a thousand pounds worth of work and hard effort. Then I can start thinking about earning money for myself. Well, so I, I worked back. So like through the year, I think I was in the gym for about six years. So if you do if you do the maths on that, work Jesus out, Christ. work out what that is. I could have probably started up my own facility about three or four times over. And yeah. I'd actually, well, I mean, if you're just in like, what's that? Six years, 72 grand, if you're paying a grand a month. Yeah. Fuck me, mate. And it, like, put, put it this way, like I, from, from looking at how to start a facility and how to build one, how to develop it and grow it, you know, the amount that you need in the bank to be able to put towards it and then you can, you know, get extra help alongside that. I could have, I could have easily started my own facility four or five times over with that amount of cash. Yeah. So, I mean, there is, there is a point where, you know, if, so, cause I, I teach and I assess on the PT level two and level three qualifications as well. And for new people coming into the industry, my question for them is, well, where are you going to go? Where do you want to be? Where's the best place for you to actually grow and develop yourself as a coach? And I think to a point now it's got, it's got to a point where if you are new as a trainer to the industry, going off on your own, doing your own thing, being completely self-employed, being left to your own devices, working in one of those corporate gyms, having to do your own sales and, you know, paying a premium on the floor space. There are better options available now. Like you could, you know, partner up with a couple of other people who, you know, maybe they're, maybe the friends, maybe the people, you know, people you've been recommended to, go and work in a CrossFit gym, go and train people, go and take classes, go and lead training groups, go and shadow alongside someone, go and do almost like an apprenticeship in a way where, you know, you're not being paid mega bucks for it. You're not getting 30 quid a session. Maybe it's, you know, a third of that, but for the experience that you're getting and the outlay in terms of cost to you, you know, it's a far better option that's going to accelerate you. So, <clears throat> I think yeah, we need I think, to... I think as soon as you finish your level, like, you know, you get your PT qualification, your CrossFit level one, whatever it is that gets you legally able to coach and train, you need to understand that there's lots, lots more to learn. Like, you know, you need a lot more than just that to be a great trainer. And obviously that's going to come in time, but getting as much experience and, you know, going learning from as many trainers as possible is a really good way you're doing that just and obviously like this is a people sort of business get introducing yourself to more and more people who are like-minded who are going the right way that you are is the best way to learn yeah and to progress yourself yeah and i think you know going back to what you said there about it being about people's fitness people's health like this is probably where i don't know for how long probably before i was born where we as an industry have screwed it up big time because like I mentioned the big corporate chains the big investors they come in with loads of cash they see a money-making opportunity they build these big all singing all dancing facilities I don't know how many gold gyms closed down for example at the start of the first lockdown I know it was a lot um mm. but places like that where <clears throat> you know where it's, it's a massive chain and it's literally there for a money-making purpose like that's not what the health and fitness industry needs to be about it needs to be about people so is it any surprise that we've turned so many people off and away from fitness 
and away from being fit and healthy because we haven't been successful in creating that community environment or that environment of support to give people the opportunity and put them in a position to be successful. Right? Yeah. It's not been there. It's Mate, the amount of people who come to... Yeah, the amount of people who've come to the gym, who comes across it 3D and they've been there three, six, 12 months and the amount of times I hear, this is the longest I've ever been at a gym for. It's mad. I hear it all the time from members, new members. It's frightening. And it's yep. because like you said, they get nothing, they get to think, right, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get well fit. And it just doesn't work like that. Not only do you need, you know, if you're completely uneducated, like the amount, think about how many people come and say, oh, I've been deadlifting all wrong all these years, all these years. I've been benching wrong all these years. Like I've been doing this wrong all these years. They don't know until they're shown, they're guided, they're educated, they're taught safely. It's mad, mate. It's maddening. But I'm really glad when it happens because I'm really happy when people come and find us or find you or find someone who really cares about them and really cares about making them fit and healthy. Yeah. Madness. Madness. Uh, You know, uh, and think of it like you mentioned the, the COVID situation earlier, like as far as the government goes, you know, they probably know and very, very little about the fitness industry and don't really respect it because it is such a shit show. It is the Wild West, really. You know, trainers being charged a thousand pounds just to work there. And, you know, imagine being sat at your desk as an accountant and you've got to pay a grand just to do somebody's finances. Like, fucking hell, what's going on? But it, and it is a complete shit show. So you can understand why the faith isn't there, really. And like, right, how are we going to get the nation healthy? We're not looking at PT studios and, and PTs and CrossFit gyms and stuff. You know, let's close them. These mad debates on. (laughs) Yeah, we've got KFC open, fifty percent off, half price, thirty percent off McDonald's last time. Eat out to help out schemes, and all the gyms are shut. Unreal. (laughs) And like, we've had this chat a couple of times, and I've had this chat with with a lot of people. And you know, bear in mind that that's this is a very biased conversation because most of the people I speak to are in the fitness industry or own seven pairs of nanos, but we all agree that the issue in our country isn't COVID, which is a which is a harsh strain of flu. In effect, the main thing is that we're all in fucking shit state. 38% of people in the UK are obese, which gives you nearly 50% chance of more likelihood of dying from COVID, massively increases your chance of dying from heart disease, cancers, all that sort of stuff, choking on a Mars bar because you eat more of them, loads of different things. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a really, really tough problem, but I think it is the problem for a number of reasons. Well, I think, you know, pe- people will be surprised as to how much they'll benefit from simply being in good condition and from looking after themselves and how much yeah. of a risk is removed from all-cause mortality, from well, death from any disease, not just COVID, but any disease just by being in good shape. I mean, COVID is the 24th killer on the list in the UK, mate. There's many more above, above it that kill more people. 
um, like the, I've referred to this a few times in, in this podcast, that the CrossFit's fitness, wellness, sickness continuum. And we've got sickness, we've got wellness in the middle, and then we've got fitness on the extreme fit end of things. And your fitness is a, is a barrier against sickness. If you lose your fitness for whatever reason, you'll go into wellness and then you can go into sickness. But if you're fit, you know, you can, you can deadlift your body weight a couple of times. You can, you can run a mile without dying. You can press yourself off the floor. You can carry one of your kids or someone around. Like if you can do all these basic things, you're more than likely not to be overweight, obese. And these health markers are really, really important. And like you said, they, they, you know, if you can get yourself in good condition, you're not worried. Like you and I aren't worried about getting COVID or heart disease or anything like that. We're not worried about it because we're on the, uh, you know, we're not tooting our own horns, but we're on the massive like fitness end of things because that's what we do all the time. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think, and there's a couple I mean, I know, I, I know probably me, me and you are probably on, so like the more extreme end of, you know, high fitness category but the sad thing is that most people aren't even wandering around in the wellness category you know you you, you walk around we know that mate you look in you know you look at the people that go into costco and things like that and you think my god that man looks pregnant like how how is how is this happening how has our nation got into this state his body how does his body end three feet in front of him like how how is that possible Right, it's I, I, terrifying. It, the human body isn't meant to look like that. Gentlemen, if you if you look down and you can't see your penis, that's a problem. That's a big. <laughs> oh, problem. you're fat and incredibly gifted. <laughs> but it, it it's mental. It, it's absolutely mental. And and I think, and I don't think it's necessarily like people's fault straight away. Obviously, you can be aware of it, but. You don't, I know you just don't wake up one day and you're incredibly obese or you're obese or your body fat's 30% plus. You don't wake up and that just happens. It happens over time. You've been programmed into this sort of lifestyle. You've seen your mum and dad eat that way. You've seen your granddad eat that way. You've seen your uncles and your sisters and your brothers eat that way. So you do, and it's all right. I just don't, I don't think it's being helped at the minute by the situation at all because we're not getting out of the house. We're not moving as much. We're not seeing people. KFC is half price. Like, and every time I drive to the gym, when I, dri- when I drive past the industrial park, the cars are hanging out of the of the roundabouts. They're queuing up round roundabouts to get to a fast food restaurant, yeah. KFC, McDonald's, whatever it is. That's horrifying. Yeah. That's what you're leaving the house for is ridiculous. And obviously, I'm not saying like no one can ever eat fast food ever and it's the worst thing of all time because everybody does it every now and then. But the fact that people are doing it much, much more in this situation is only a terrible thing when we're already in such shit state with our health and our bodies anyway. Yeah. I think from, um, from a coaching perspective, because I've, I've thought about this on an angle where, you know, if I was in someone else's shoes, would I, and in the exact same circumstances, would I be susceptible to the same faults, the same flaws, the same, would I have the same outcome, the same end result? And I think until, unless you're there, you don't know, like it's, you know, would you kill this person to save this? But you don't know if you're in that situation, you don't know how you're going to react. But from a psychological point of view, like we have a saying that what gets fired together gets wired together. So 
like any habit or behavior that we have is simply formed by neurons connecting with each other and firing in a specific sequence and a specific pattern through specific areas of the brain that causes us to move and experience certain things, feelings, emotions, and act in certain ways. So you might have one thought that's always going to trigger something else. You might have a pattern in an evening where you sit down, you have a cup of tea, and that's simply a trigger or a domino that's a knock-on effect for you to go and do something else. And yeah. the secret for when it, when it comes to coaching or changing behavior, all you have to do is break the pattern. And very often breaking that pattern comes down to changing your state, whether it's physical, mental, um, like emotional, like you, the first thing I would always get someone to do is engage your body, go and move, go and do something to energize yourself. Because very often when we go down the pathway of, of eating shit foods, drinking loads, or, you know, if people do drugs or whatever, you're generally in a very low state and you're looking for a pickup, you're looking for a hit, you're looking for a bit of dopamine, something that's going to energize you and help you feel mm. good that the brain's going to absolutely thrive yeah, off. And get because you're so low. Yeah. You're looking for a kick. Whereas, I mean, we know our drug, our fast food, our, our version of that is to exercise. Like we know how we're going to feel once we've done a training session and we know what we can do to trigger it. And for us, that's our, that's our pattern. That's all it is that for us, that's a standard. It's a habit, a pattern and a behavior that we carry on and utilize through life. So you can't go and break those habits, behaviors and neural connections down unless you have the self-awareness to go and do that. Like you look at a sheep in a field and you think it's not aware of itself. It does, it's just in a field, it's wet, it's raining. It doesn't think, do you know what? I'm going to go and have a lie down in that hut over there because it's going to be dry and then I'll be warm. It doesn't think like that. It's a fucking sheep. It just kind of stands there, eats grass and goes, I'm wet and I'm cold. Sound. KFC's 50% off, I best go. <laughs> oh, sorry, different type of sheep. Sorry, mate. Well, this, this is it where like, I mean, as human beings, we don't understand or appreciate how exceptionally gifted that we are, that we have a prefrontal cortex that allows us to predict and visualize into the future. But how many people are actually walking around using that part of their brain? Well, that's a massive sort of subject at the minute, isn't it? That we have forgotten, or it seems to look like we have forgotten the fact that we have free will which is basically what you've just described, isn't it? You have free will. You don't have to do anything. You can, you can go and do, you can change. You can predict an outcome and change what you're going to do because you know it's coming. I think we've forgotten that though. I think we've forgotten that we can think for ourselves and have our own beliefs. And I think um, a lot of people just want to be seen to be doing the right thing. And they will signal to others that they're doing that thing to make themselves look like they're blending in and to make themselves feel better. Yeah. And I think I've seen a lot, a lot of the, the term fat shaming been banded around a lot for the past couple of years with like magazines promoting um, being fat as beautiful um, or attractive. And I mean, like, you know, you can like what you like. If you if you beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I'm, you know I'm sure people find fat people beautiful and or really really morbidly obese people beautiful, and that's fine. It's not healthy though, and you put yourself in serious serious danger 
when your body is in that state, regardless of how attractive you might feel or someone might tell you you are. Yeah. So the whole flat shaming thing, like, oh, you know, everybody's beautiful. Yeah, it can be. But also the ones who've got higher body fat will die much earlier and easier than the ones with a normal level of body fat. I think from um, from our point of view, like we don't, we don't, we, me and you, we don't want anyone to feel bad about themselves, do we? Like we, the reason that we're in the job we're in is because we want to promote a positive, healthy lifestyle so that everyone is in a position to succeed and get everything they want, everything they can out of their life, not just their life, but benefit the people around them as well. And you know, my belief is that the best way to do that is being fit, healthy, high in energy so that you can contribute. Um, I got into a, into an argument with, it wasn't even a body, body, body positivity coach. It was, it was her brother. I think it was, it could have easily been her through his account kind of thing on Facebook. Where mm. I, I'm fairly confident. I said- you already been blocked by her. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't go looking for it. I don't go searching for it. It actually, it actually came to me. I posted something out there. It might have been just statistics on obesity and, you know, kind of highlighting the importance of being fit and healthy. And the question that I got back was, why is it not okay for people to be fat? And I'd not even said that, but it had already been twisted in a way that you know, they wanted to see me as, as like a villain or as someone that's just massively anti-fat. Where in fact, I'm not anti-fat, I'm pro-health. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to even speak about the negatives of, you know, being fat, being obese, being overweight. I would rather They're obvious, about, mate. We've stated them. Yeah. You can get killed is, from a, a flu strain, like if, you've got, if you're fat. Are you 50 times, 50% more likely to? Yeah. Just and, by being fat. Never mind heart disease, cancers and all that sort of stuff. And the, th- the thing is, it's hard work, it's tiring, and it's very negative. Like, you look at what they put on the packets of cigarettes, like, it's not nice. You don't get a kick out of it. You don't get a buzz off it. You don't go, oh, look how shit their lungs are. Like, Oh, yeah. You don't see the picture <laughs> of that, put the lung, uh, mouth cancer and go, oh, men, I'm going to have 20 of these today. <laughs> like, Yeah, and you can see even that doesn't put people off. So, you know, I would rather talk to someone about the massive benefits that are awaiting them as a result of, taking action and looking after themselves and yeah went down a whole kind of spiraling conversation with this person that you know I was not going to see their point of view because they were simply coming from a position of you know you've just got to accept people for who they are you can love yourself for being fat and I'm like that that's not coaching that's lazy that's lazy bullshit telling people what they want to hear whereas you know, and I think probably my experience with everything that I've done over the years, working with PTs, working with clients, working with um, footballers, rugby players, etc. Every single athlete, and you'll know this yourself, every single athlete or person you come across that is on the path of, pathway of achievement appreciates honesty. And it's being able to yeah. deliver it in the right way. It's not kind of... Yeah, I mean, I've left gyms before because the CrossFit coach was dishonest. Like, you know, they they couldn't help me. I asked asked a question. They didn't know the answer. So I left to become better and I got better. 
when I found the answer, when someone was brave enough to give it me. And you're absolutely right. People who've got the, you know, insecurities, they don't really want to get any healthier because it's hard. They may possibly not want to hear the truth. And, and don't get me wrong, Alex and I are not demonizing people. We don't dislike anyone. We're not, you know, we want to help everyone. This is why we started doing the job we're doing. We started doing this job to help people, everyone, from a 25-year-old lad who can back squat 200 kilos on day one, who's going to be an amazing athlete, all the way to a mum of three who's overweight, who's got a really demanding job and lifestyle, who's, who really needs the help. Like, we want to help everybody fall from both extremes and everything in between. doesn't matter where you're at. But it has to be said like for us that this is the this is the major issue yeah. we see the the major issue is obesity yeah. and i just i just find it absolutely maddening mate that our gyms are short well <laughs> and mac is i mean dope. i think i don't know whether i said something about this the other day probably probably on my own podcast when i'm speaking to my brother but you know i i can't claim to know enough information about the virus, the vaccine, the numbers behind the NHS and all that kind of jazz. But mm. if the numbers that I have seen are correct and it's like, you know, the, the vaccine is 90% effective or 95% effective, well, health and fitness is what, 97, 98, 99% effective. Why not just use that? That's free. It's accessible. We can do it right now. And, you know, one of the things I think that we have done previously as a fitness industry is massively overcomplicate being fit and healthy and mm. made it so unattainable and so hard where it, it can just be so, so simple. You know, it, it might simply be go and do one Tabata session of bodyweight squats, go and do 20 minutes of walking, 60 seconds at a hard pace, 60 seconds at an easy pace. And that's a start. Yeah, the, the main thing is, mate, is that like it's the, the culture, the programming that people don't realise that it's that easy to start um, and they don't have anyone to turn to. They might not have any money to put towards this sort of thing. And, you know, if you've been living 30 years of life and you've never exercised once since year 9PE, and then you provided a doctor's note for the rest of it, you know, you don't know where to start. You can go online. There's loads of intimidating videos of proper jacked up guys on Instagram and YouTube lifting weights and stuff. And you're like, shit, I'm a million, million miles away from that. How am I supposed to get there? And you bin it off. They'll bin it off. So it's really difficult. It's like, how do we get this movement started in the UK? How do we get this going where every single person, because that's what we need, old, young, overweight, disabled everyone who can needs to start doing some fizz so what what you said there's just kind of triggered something when you know when you said um you know you might watch someone do something on youtube or you might watch an athlete do something and then the question you ask is shit how am i supposed to get there the questions that we ask will lead to the answers that are either going to help us or like not <laughs> And if, if we go, if everyone's kind of sitting there watching something or, you know, watching something unfold in front that is, you know, incredibly inspiring and they go, how am I supposed to get there? Well, number one, you believe 
that you're supposed to get there. There's nothing that says you should be able to go and do that. At the age of 40, 50 years old, as a, a broken man who's gone through a lifetime of work, torture, like being put in bad positions, poor coaching, there is absolutely nothing that says you are supposed to be able to go and back squat 250. There's nothing. And if you've you got no right that, to think that. <laughs> yeah, there's no evidence there to suggest that it is 100%. Yeah, that's you. Go and do that. Um, wake up tomorrow, off you go. But if, you, if, if everyone changes the way that they ask the questions and go, okay, that, that's pretty cool. Acknowledge it for what it is. That guy's awesome. Like, I've just seen Tom overhead squat, like 120 or whatever. Go, you know, that's class. How can I move towards that? Like, if that's something that inspires you and you like and you think is awesome and you'd want to be able to do it, which how can I move towards it? How can I just take one little step in that direction and start making progress? And if you think about it from the point of view of just making a little bit of progress and not having the end result straight away, <clears throat> you give yourself a fighting chance. Mm. Yeah, we talked about this the other day, didn't we? And I think that if you can look at just being the best version of yourself instead of a world beater, be the like the you know the the maximum. The best, the best version of yourself that you can be, you're going to be pretty good. Like, you know, if you started and your back squat starts at 50 and then in 10 years' time you've got it to 110, wow, that's fucking amazing. You've more than doubled it in that amount of time. And for you, that's amazing. doesn't matter about anybody else. doesn't matter, not one bit. And I think that a lot of people can get fixated on the, the results for goals. Be like, I need to, but you, you gave me that um, example the other day. I'm going to bench 150. I need to do 150 by this time. And that's all that matters. Cool. Those goals are cool sometimes. However, you've got much higher chance of being disappointed instead of thinking, I'm going to slowly, and, and sorry, how do, I, how do I phrase this? Instead of living and looking at a behavior-based goal, so you, you live and you use behaviours instead of a results-driven goal. So you act like the person. You basically like fake it till you make it, act like the person you want to be instead of just thinking, I need to get there. You're probably going to be pretty successful, 1% every day. That's how you make the real gains um, with, with anything. And whether it's trying to become really, really fit for the CrossFit Open or hit a heavy back squat or lose some body fat. Like it's all the same thing. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think all of those are, you know, if, if someone has set goals like that for, for 2021 or whatever it is, you know, you probably put all of those on an even, on an even level. And then if you were to look at it as a pyramid going up, well, what's the thing that ties them all together? What's the feeling that's mm. associated with you dropping body fat, getting your bench up, being able to run a mile quicker. You know, what's the one thing that brings all of those together? And it's what's the feeling you want? I want to feel fitter and I want to feel stronger and I want to feel more capable of doing anything. And <clears throat> once you've got that down, whether you actually do achieve a 150 bench, a 200 back squat or, a, you know, whatever other targets you've set yourself, even if you miss one or two, or you get close and you don't quite achieve it, you can cross it off. You've got another method to actually get to that top overarching goal. 
So you still have that feeling of success and like you've progressed towards it rather than it being a complete yeah. an utter waste of time and flush it down the toilet. And, and that's what we do. We, you know, when people set New Year's resolutions, they don't think about that overarching aspect and we simplify everything. They just see, I've got to lose three stone by the time I go to Marbella in April. That's it. I've got to, and I'll do anything to get there. Two weeks in, dehydrated, starving, and then you completely fuck it off and go and queue up for KFC for three hours. So it's like, how do we get, how do we get more and more people to drop their programming and what they've been fed all these years? I think of a better word than that. But how do we, how do we get more people to realise that their health is what matters? You only get one body, and if if you want to protect yourself against viruses, cancers, your heart exploding in your chest after you've run up the stairs, like. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? What's the first step? So <clears throat> it's something that I have put quite a lot of thought into um, previously. And I think there's there's two ways that you can look at it. You, I think you've got to come at it from both aspects. You've got to work from the ground up and chip away at it slowly. Like it's a massive, horrendous workout. Like you're doing a ridiculous yeah. wad, like a like the Cambridge rowing workout or something like that, where it's like 1,500 reps of utter shit all the way through, Ugh. where it's going to be just horrendous. <laughs> yeah. It's blood, guts, and tears all the way. So, <clears throat> and when I'm talking about that, I mean, that's where as trainers, as coaches, and as, you know, even members of a gym, members of the community, and as athletes, it comes down to us being able to share that vision share that positive goal with as many people as you possibly can, get them excited, get them energized, bring them in and help them through it. And the more people we get into that, the more it can then start to spread. And that's where we're kind of chipping away at it, just one person at a time. And then the other aspect is where you come at it from the top down. And by that, I mean, you're looking at, you know, possible government policy, the way that the country's run, the way that fitness is viewed through us as a nation, you know, there has to be someone in charge at the top that's going to support that message that's coming up from the bottom. So, I mean, I don't know whether I should run for uh, Prime Minister or Secretary of Health and Fitness just yet, but I think some something like that, we do need some help from somewhere, from someone that's not just gone to Eton or gone to you know, a fancy university and got a, got a degree in politics. We need someone that's actually fully enthused and engaged in health and fitness. I mean, when was the last time you had a, a prime minister that you thought that, that dude's worked out it, or that, that woman's trade? You can tell that the person looks after themselves. It's not, we've never seen. Yeah. Mate, look at the health know. ministers and, and officials for like most countries in Europe and they're all massive. Yeah. And not in the complimentary so, way that I'd call you massive. I mean, like, they're massive. And, th- and, th- and this is where, you know, I think when you're talking about what's the message you want to send out, what's the vision you want to sell to people, well, they have to believe you. Like, you, you have to be able to embody that. Like, if you, if you were, I mean, so you're in great shape. You can tell you work out. You can tell you train. If you go and have someone have a conversation with someone about health and fitness, I can guarantee they're going to sit and listen because you look like you train, you look like you work out, you embody everything it is about health and fitness. That's the message you want to convey. 
if you're 30 stone and you struggle to breathe standing up, I ain't going to listen. I'm not going to take any advice from that person whatsoever because you don't embody what it is you're actually saying. Like what you're saying and what you look like, what your actions are, what your behaviors are, don't match up. And that's where you lose the authenticity. And for that message and vision to be sold to someone, it has got to be authentic. It can't be wishy-washy, like I've read it in a book. You know, I know people, yeah. Jim should be on, blah, blah, blah. It can't be that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, my, you know, people should be able to live the life they want to live. But at the same time, at this point, I feel like the NHS, the country would be in a much, much better situation if people took a personal responsibility for where they're at. And I think, I, I can't remember the number. Is it like, um, I think it's I think something like eventually it costs the NHS 27 billion, billion pounds. Obesity costs the NHS 27 billion pounds a year. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Frightening. Yeah. But I mean, and, all we can do as trainers to stop ourselves from going insane is work with the people who are in front of us. Yeah. Work so, with the people who want to come to us and say, I want help. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you want to run for health and fitness secretary or shall I do it? <laughs> I'd vote for you. Well, we've both got more time at the minute, mate, haven't we? So, yeah. We should start a campaign. We'll have to start a campaign and, and get it going, overthrow the government. Yeah, well, someone needs to, mate. I think there'll be a revolution at some point this year. Um, as there seems to be one in America at the minute. Kicked off last night. But we better not get into that. <laughs> but yeah, Min, mate. Well, that's, this has been brilliant. Um, great to have you on. I'm, I'm really hoping that next time you come on, the gyms are open. We can make more of an impact on our communities and, our, and the, the health of everybody who lives in our communities. Um, and things are a bit more positive in the world. But yeah, thank Absolutely. you very much for coming on, mate. Been an absolute pleasure, mate. Been great to meet nice you. Buzzing. Thank you very much. Cheers for listening, guys. And I'll see you next week.